Hi, and welcome to episode 9 of Stumbling Through Christianity with Lucien. The title of this episode is Domestic Violence. Is it in the closet? This episode is dedicated to a teenager from St. Louis named Sarah Billingsley Walker. Her story hit home because she was choked to death by her high school boyfriend. He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will himself also call and not be heard. That's from Proverbs, the 21st chapter, the 13th verse. That scripture seems to remind us how not to respond to an oppressed group. Women, girls, boys, and men who experience intimate partner violence have endured oppression. Recently, a friend compared sharing her domestic violence story to coming out of the closet. I really don't think there is any comparison. Yes, domestic violence thrives on secrecy, but I don't feel domestic violence victims are in the closet. They do try to hide, but usually they are not successful. Their behavior, emotional, and physical scars are a giveaway. The only person they are hiding their abuse from is themselves. Domestic violence happens to one in four women. Everybody knows at least four women. So it's happening to your mother, sister, friend, cousin, aunt, or classmate. It's happening to somebody you know. Our community wants to silence domestic violence or intimate partner violence. It's an issue our society does not want to address because getting rid of domestic violence or intimate partner violence means our culture has to change. Our culture would have to begin to address misogyny in music, the sexism in our media. Domestic violence survivors are not in the closet. Our global community is in the closet. When you realize a woman person is abused, you don't and you, when you realize a woman or person is abused and you don't suggest they leave or offer help. We as a society fail to realize domestic violence is not just impacting those people, it's impacting us. All culture, religious, social, economic, and ethnic backgrounds are affected by domestic violence. A few years ago, there was a lot of discussion regarding domestic violence. On social media, I participated in two online discussions about domestic violence, intimate partner violence as a result of the Ray Rice incident. Why, hashtag why I stayed and hashtag why I left were trending topics. Domestic violence is a front page news issue now. Well, maybe not right now, but we'll see it next month because October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I thought, well, I already have written several blog posts on domestic violence for SinleysWordPress.com. But I realized I didn't answer the question of why I stayed. I had never asked the question or wondered why I left, actually. I know the first time I left an abusive relationship, I paid attention to the red flags. At 17 years old, I dated an abusive guy. After he had shoved me one too many times, I thought, I'm not going down this road. But two years later, I had a major crush on a guy uh, for years and he married me the first time he choked me I was hurt and shocked I left for the night 
My mother told me if you go back, it won't stop. She was right. It didn't. Why did I stay in that relationship back then? I stayed because I felt my husband at the time loved me unconditionally. He told me I was smart and beautiful, which was the opposite of what I had heard growing up. I went back repeatedly because I thought he needed me. I thought I needed him to boost my self-esteem. He made me feel accepted regardless of bad choices. He made me feel I was smart and beautiful, all the things my birth family didn't. He was my cheerleader. He would encourage me after my failures, whether it was relationship, jobs, etc. I continued the relationship because I didn't want to admit I had made a mistake. My pride got in the way. I didn't want to be humble. I learned how to manipulate the abusive cycle. I used verbal and emotional abuse to instigate violence. My logic was, if I know when it's coming, I can handle it. I thought about leaving, threatened to leave, but never because of abuse. I accepted the abuse. I felt my heart was broken and nothing else mattered. I didn't care if I lived or died. I would tell my friends in college he was the kind of person that might snap and kill me. They encouraged me to leave. I left after I became pregnant with our daughter, but the relationship between me and him continued off and on for the next 18 years. The physical abuse lessened over time, but the financial and emotional abuse continued. I continued my abusive behavior as well. My idolatry allowed me to continue my pattern in abusive relationships. I rationalized a man had to be controlling to be strong. A few years ago, my personal experience with domestic violence was a subject I wouldn't discuss. I felt I was an advocate. I would support a woman's decision to leave, and I volunteered at an agency that was dedicated to helping victims of domestic violence. I would even admit I had been through domestic violence, but that is where it stopped. Before, I had seen an episode of Tyra Banks, and the topic was domestic violence in teens. I felt so sad. I thought these girls shouldn't be going through this. They're too young. I dealt with a lot of insecurity, and even though I attended church off and on since childhood, I didn't trust God. I didn't seek him or his influence on my life. In 2012, I started on my journey to healing. I started going to a women's group for survivors of domestic violence and sexual abuse. The first meeting was so hard, I wanted to leave. I thought about saying I was in the wrong place. I had never really talked about the domestic violence I experienced and the impact it had on me. I had gone through years of counseling, but this topic was off limits. I was in denial. I was focused on the bitterness from abuse I had endured during childhood. I didn't even realize how the abuse from adulthood had impacted me. I have been in three domestic violence shelters in my lifetime. The second time I went to a domestic violence shelter, a worker had to convince me to go, a social worker. I told her I was not having an issue with domestic violence because I hit first. She had to explain to me that domestic violence is more than physical abuse. 
following group therapy at the shelter for domestic violence, they suggested I go to post-traumatic stress disorder counseling. I was in denial. I said I didn't have any issues with that. My domestic violence experience was mild because it never required any trips to the hospital or emergency rooms. Though heated arguments with people increased my anxiety and sent me to panic attacks. So yes, I did have domestic, uh, PTSD. My most recent domestic violence relationship was kind of cunning and baffling like alcoholism. It crept up on me slowly. In the domestic violence group, I learned domestic violence is like a river. You wade in the water and an undertow or the current can just carry you away. And I know in my uh, relationship, it started off small. I would give in to avoid arguments. I didn't think were a big deal. I reasoned I was picking and choosing my battles. My daughter asked me at one point, why are you putting up with this? I didn't have an answer. The relationship became more and more controlling as time went on. My unhusband's parents asked me why I put up with it. I ignored the behavior as much as I could. The Holy Spirit had people try to discourage me from continuing the relationship. I thought to myself, I am David and this is my Bathsheba. I can handle it. It worked out for David in the end. I forgot the sword was in his house, but that's the next show. Why I left is more complicated. The beginning of the end was when I started thinking I should leave. I refused to do an escape plan. We are, we were going to have to downsize, and I feared being in a smaller space would create more opportunities for altercations. Finally, I left. I never lived with the unhusband after 2014, but we continued to have an off-and-on intimate, codependent relationship for the next four years. During the healing process, I began to understand why it takes seven attempts to leave. I rationalized that the unhusband was a good provider. I refused to trust God to provide for me. I didn't even ask God to provide. If I didn't ask God to provide and I didn't believe he would provide, and I definitely didn't wait on him to provide. Thank you for listening to some of my woman at the well testimony and that's not quite the end of this episode because the theme for this episode is domestic violence is is it in the closet I've shared about my personal experience but we got a few more things to discuss allowing intimate partner violence to thrive is a corporate sin and it impacts us all it cost us over $5.8 billion each year is spent on health-related costs of domestic violence. Nearly 8 million days of paid work each year is lost due to domestic violence issues. That's the equivalent of more than 32,000 full-time jobs. 33% of all police time is spent responding to domestic disturbance calls. I know domestic violence is not your problem, even though it impacts healthcare costs, which affects every living being. It affects taxes because of the law enforcement. 
it seems as if all our issues be, it seems all our issues cause us to have to pay taxes in the United States anyway when you don't report any uh, time you suspect domestic violence when you don't even ask the suspected victim are they okay when you don't attend free domestic violence prevention sessions when you don't donate old phones that could help victims escape when you don't donate to shelters or domestic violence service providers so women have resources when you don't hold lawmakers accountable to change laws to protect women domestic violence survivors aren't in the closet it's those who refuse to help the stats provided in this podcast Look at Click to Empower. Look at Safe Connections if you're a domestic violence survivor and need a help. Uh, thank you uh, for listening to this podcast. And remember, domestic violence impacts us all. And listen to the last part of this episode again and ask yourself those questions Do you attend free domestic violence sessions? Do you donate old phones that could help uh, domestic violence victims? Do you donate to shelters that provide domestic violence services so women have resources? Do you hold your lawmakers accountable to change laws to protect women? Those are questions that remain, that provide the environment where we think we can keep domestic violence in the closet. When we begin to work on those things, Domestic violence is no longer in the closet. Have a wonderful day beyond measure.